You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug, and uh, you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we're going to tackle a, a theme or an idea that comes up frequently when I am out in the world talking to business owners and leaders, and that is the idea of being able to tell your story, or maybe some people say, you know, identify your voice. And I know people that come up the corporate ladder maybe struggle with that because the typical trajectory in the business world is you're a great individual contributor, you get recognized for that, they ask you to be a supervisor, and then poof, you're on the management track. And if you don't spend some time thinking about your voice, your persona as a manager and leader, it may be a while before you get there. But today my guest is someone who specializes in helping leaders find their voice. Her name is Laura Reed. Laura, welcome to the show. Hey, Doug, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. So I'm curious if, if there's such a thing as a short story, tell us kind of how you got into this target area of helping leaders find their voice and do more with public speaking and storytelling. Yeah, it's definitely a long story short, I think, for that, that I'll give you. Uh, we talk about finding our voice uh, quite a lot. And for me, it was a very literal journey and not metaphorical, as we usually refer to it. I grew up with a severe stutter and basically had no voice. Just the simplest question someone would ask me, like, what's your name? I wouldn't be able to say it. And I believe that caused me a lot of shame that was just built into my nervous system and embarrassment, humiliation, all of that. So I feared public speaking and sharing my story so, so much. <laughs> Ironically, where I really found my place of refuge um, as an adult, it was probably about 15 or 20 years ago now, was on a stage with a microphone because wow. I finally got to really step into what scared me most. And I found that what I feared could actually set me free. And even more than that, it was the first time I really shared my story. And I spoke about growing up with a stutter and that moment for me was incredibly vulnerable, but at the same time, very powerful. But what really hit me was afterwards, it was a storytelling competition that I had entered and I won that competition. So it gave me this boost of confidence and you know, I went on to enter a bunch of competitions. I got really addicted to it. It was so fun, but I found you know, that yeah, what really affected me was having people come up to me afterwards and say how much my story helped them you know, and empowered them to be able to share their story. And I realized this ripple effect is really created. And eventually I felt obligated to help others share their story overcome their speaking fear and give great presentations that include storytelling. That's amazing. And congratulations on that. That's, uh, that's really, really powerful. As, as you were describing that, I was curious, um, was it related to Toastmasters, the competition, or was it a separate 
bad storytelling competition. It was more a moth styled competition. I don't okay. know if you've heard of the moth. It's an NPR show and people tell stories and it's fantastic if you haven't heard it. Um, but that was in Ithaca, New York, where I used to live and it was based on that. So it was a pure storytelling competition. However, I did join Toastmasters when I moved to Hawaii here about seven years ago and entered my first international Toastmasters, you know, speech contest. And that led to this amazing journey with that. I learned so much doing that. Um, and I did quite well in it. And I even met my now husband. We just got married about exactly a month ago. We oh, met wow. in a in a Toastmasters <laughs> competition. We were competing against each other. And he won and I came in second and we've been on each other's radar ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. So, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking consolation prize stories, and yeah, I, yeah, gonna, you never know where it's going to. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. But uh, well, good for you, and, and congratulations. The reason I bring that up, I, I just uh, I, I know there's a National Speakers Association. I've got a good friend that was one of the uh, both regional and national officers of that, and it it does come up as a as an alternative as leaders are thinking about working on their ability to stand up in front of a crowd and deliver a message. And clearly you can have some great fun practicing those skills with those kind of storytelling competitions and such. And there, there are some amazing and wonderful YouTube videos out there if people haven't spent a minute uh, searching for that. But there are some amazing stories that, that do get told. But let, let's bring this specific to people in positions of leadership, whether you're an entrepreneur and you own the business or you're on a management track with a larger enterprise, larger company. Where, where do you usually start with people? How, how do people find you and where does all that journey begin? Yeah, you mentioned networking groups, and I think the more you know groups that you can join, whether it's Toastmasters or different associations, I think it's a really great way to grow your business and meet the people that hopefully you can help. And when someone comes to me and they're you know they're wanting to be able to, you know, they've been asked to speak at a conference, let's say, um, and they want to share a story about their business and how they got into it, I think it's it's so important because we can give a great presentation that includes a lot of information, but humans are hardwired for stories. And oftentimes you can be a CEO, you can speak all the time, but you haven't really learned how to share your own origin story of how you got into doing what you do or your, your company's story of how it was created. And learning basic storytelling techniques. I teach a framework that business owners can use to help make storytelling really accessible to them. It's going to have a greater impact. And you know, we often think of storytelling as kind of a creative endeavor. Maybe we need to be a writer to be able to do it. And really it's very scientific. And as long as you include some, some basic elements keep your story concise, right? It, it really helps you be a better story too, or a better um, speaker too, because you're, you learn not to ramble as much and to keep to the point and to keep a momentum in your speeches and presentations. Well, you know, much has been written about um, storytelling and, and it's, it's been introduced into the modern 
vernacular of leadership and there are you know specific programs like yours that that help people learn more about that and I have been told there are maybe seven basic stories that resonate with the human psyche. You mentioned the origin story, you know, where'd you come from and uh, how did you begin? And and then there's, uh, and I'm drawing blanks on remembering the other six, but, but you mentioned brand story. That's the one probably business leaders are most familiar with. They, they want to build a brand for their company. And so there's some form of story that goes with that. And people spend a lot of money with, with outside help trying to craft that message and figure out what it is. But but I would like to focus just on the maybe what I'll call internal impact of leadership, being able to stand up in front of your team and deliver a message. And it, it might be about a change in the business or a, a new direction or a new policy, but being able to enforce that with a relatable story. What, what, what kinds of things have you worked with in that area? You mentioned relatable and what you're referring to before the, you know, with origin story, those are the universal plots, right? Rags to riches, um, the quest, you know, these are all universal plots that are very relatable to humans. So think Oprah, maybe rags to riches, her story, everybody knows that. And even if someone hasn't experienced firsthand your story, like, for example, maybe you know, if you're listening right now, you haven't, you didn't grow up with a stutter, you might be able to relate to my quest to find my voice or, you know, slaying the dragon, right? Overcoming an obstacle. So those are really important, I think, just to be aware of. But when you're talking about a brand story, right? Storytelling for business. I think some of these elements of storytelling are important to focus on too. For example, when uh, you're introducing, let's say, the story of how your business was formed, thinking about and identifying the villain of that story and the hero can be really important. And the villain, when we're talking about our businesses and our brands, is the problems we solve, right? What are the problems we solve? And then we're contrasting that with the hero. And if you're telling your origin story, in a way, the hero is you, but often it's something more vague and not a person, right? So for me, I think of my hero more as my voice itself, confidence, right? Um, and overcoming self-doubt and shame, you know, were my villains, right? And when we're telling story with stories for our business, almost always, though, the heroes are those we serve, right? The clients, like how we've, how they've overcome their villains because of the service that we offer, right? They're the heroes. So when we're telling stories and we, we empower them, it's always engaging and it can be very relatable. And even starting out, let's say at a boardroom, right? And getting up and, and sharing a story about, you know, something that you know, like your business just accomplished and, and helping, uh, it can be very motivating for the whole team and help, help inspire them and get on board. You know, one of the things uh, I guess I have come to call it the evolution of, of human behavior one of the things that has emerged in our common language these days is filler words. Mm. Sim the simple phrase, uh, or um, 
and others use things like like you know or one that many many of the sports world uses and i just cringe every time i hear it on the weekend is people will start a sentence they'll be asked a question they'll start a sentence with i mean well what do you mean you mean <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and it it it, it kind of drives me crazy and i'm conscious of it and being a in public speaking if you will with a podcast i i know i'm guilty of the frequent filler word the uh and the um and i i only know how bad it gets when i use my editor my automated editor at the end to kind of transcribe and i see all that and i'm going oh man i can't <laughs> you believe so let's let's start with that one in in your training world how do you encourage people to get past the filler words that they might use? Often we're simply not aware of it. When I was doing Toastmasters speech competitions, you're literally judged. <laughs> we worry about judgment sometimes when we're speaking. We're literally judged and there's someone there that is counting every filler word I say. And the first time I did a contest and they counted how many times I said, I think it was just the word so, which I didn't realize was considered a filler word. I thought that was okay, but it's not. So um, like, you know, all those things. And they're like, Laura, you said the word like, like 13 times. I was kind of horrified. But the first step is getting over it, realizing we all do it, and then just being intentional and aware of it. Like you said, when you're on a podcast or you're more social and getting yourself out there, being on stages, you're going to start to notice more, especially if you watch yourself back. And a really good way to pick up on your own personal filler words that you might not be aware of is to record yourself speaking or ask for a recording back. I cringed the first time that someone I was working with was like, Laura, come on, we've got to watch this back. And I didn't want to. And he said, well, we all had to. Yeah, you know, we all had to watch you, so you've got to watch you. And if you watch yourself just as an audience member, not judging yourself, not thinking about how you look, any of that, just watch it in that way to do something specific. I'm going to count how many filler words I use, those type of things. It, it can help. And then once you're aware of it, you can set an intention to, I'm simply going to pause. I'm going to slow my speech down a bit, and I'm going to give myself a breath every time I feel that word is coming. Often we use those filler words when we're not quite sure what we're going to say next. And they fill that space because we're so scared of silence <laughs> as, as humans and speakers. We want to keep it going and fill that silence. But silence and pauses is one of the most underused speaking techniques it helps so much. We can catch up with what you're saying as an audience member. It gives you time to think about what you're saying next and be really intentional with your words. And it's very effective for adding a little bit of suspense, even if it's because you're forgetting what you're going to say next to the audience. They don't know that. And it does build a nice suspense. And that can really help with the filler words. Well, along that same line, I frequently talk to my clients who are 
struggling with their, well, the popular word is executive presence, you know, showing up in a moment as a leader that can be respected and trusted and so forth. And the thing we often talk about is what I simply classify as pace and pitch. Because the common, uh, here I'm doing it, the common symptom is that in a moment of frustration or anxiety or maybe even contention, it's easy to accelerate what you're saying and elevate the pitch of it. What do you mean I'm doing that? You know, what are you talking about? I, I, blah, blah, you know, and, and, and it, it gets amped up in the whole emotional realm of the exchange you're having with somebody. And to compound that, if the person I'm talking to happens to have a dialect that is already, you know, English is not their first language and they're trying to communicate in those moments if if their pace and pitch elevates what they're saying all just crashes together and it's very hard to discern and understand even if you're a willing listener you're going what what are you saying what yeah speaking is a skill like everything else and you can't expect to put on ice skates and go out there uh, on the hard ice and not slip and fall, right? It takes practice. So I do believe the more that we can practice, practice our pacing, practice the kind of momentum we want to have, practice our vocal variety. I had a problem because growing up with a stutter, one of the therapies that was given to me was to speak very slowly and melodically, just helping my syllables come out very smoothly. So it meant that I tended to be very monotone, which I always thought was okay and kind of calming to people. But eventually I got feedback, you're kind of putting us to sleep. You need to <laughs> add a little bit of excitement there and you know bring it down and, and up. So again, when you're aware of that and you can set it as an intention, you know what, when I'm having this, uh, this presentation today, or I'm just, I'm speaking with someone, speaking with my colleagues, I'm going to really work on being intentional about how my vocal variety is sounding and how my pace and pitch is. Often we're just kind of waiting to speak as well when we have a point we really want to get across. And instead of doing that, slowing down, being conversational can be really helpful too. Thinking about it, not as a presentation, but a conversation. Uh, and when we're having a conversation, we're asking questions. Right? We're speaking in our normal voices mostly. Right? Um, and, and that way when when we're presenting and we do just ask questions, really listen, even in our presentations, I think it can add another element and layer of engagement. This may be just incredibly obvious, but when it comes to the idea of public speaking, what do you think or what have you seen is the number one roadblock or stumbling block for somebody to stand up and take the podium. Fear is so, yeah, it's just overpowering, I think, to a lot of people. When it comes to public speaking, it's one of our biggest fears as humans. I think death is number two 
death. <laughs> so it's, there's, and when we really get down to it, I think it's a fear of judgment. What are people going to think of me? You know, what if I mess up and forget my words? Am I going to be embarrassed? All of that comes to play when we're speaking in front of people. So it's, it's very common identifying your fears though, like really specifically, not just fear, but what specifically am I scared of? If it's, I'm scared of forgetting my words and blanking out, then that's really good information to have because that means that you just need to practice more, practice in front of friends, get yourself as comfortable as you can, really internalize what you want to say so you're not just memorizing a script, which can really, you know, mess us up. If we forget that one word, then we don't know any of the rest of the words, right? So there's a lot of methods out there to help you just feel more comfortable. But I often believe too that you know, when we tell ourselves that we're going to break out of our comfort zone and we're doing something really scary, what happens is our brain gets into that nervous brain mode right? because it's alerted to that. You're about to get on stage, you're handed the microphone, you're doing this really scary thing. And when our brains are in that nervous mode, we forget our words and we get all those nervous symptoms happening. So what I like to say and tell my clients is ask them first, how do you feel when you're in your comfort zone? And often they use words like, I'm authentic, I'm calm, I'm cozy and comfortable, and I could just say anything, right? I'm really just me. So why would you want to break out of that? So instead, set that intention before you speak that you are in your comfort zone. You're just going to be calm as you speak, not hyper-confident. You're not going to fake it to your make it, right? You're just going to be yourself and be calm and relaxed and simply expand your comfort zone out to do this scary thing of speaking in front of people. And for me personally, that's been a game changer when instead of telling myself I'm going to be confident and confidence comes from acts of confidence. You can't just tell yourself to be confident, right? But instead I told myself, I'm simply going to be calm. That made a really big difference. You know, I, I, I do think a lot of times it's the setting and the subject that are being talked about. If, if you're being asked to present it, um, I, I think that becomes a big driver. And I, and I say that because in, in my younger life, uh, once upon a time, I was asked to speak to a large gathering at my church. And you know, the immediate reaction I had with that request was, well, this is a big deal, you know, the, the church setting, you know, trying to deliver some kind of message. That's a, that's a whole different ballgame. I, I felt I had always felt really comfortable in my business life standing up in front of a group. It never bothered me. I seemed to have conquered that pretty well. But this one in particular really was troubling to me. And Backstage the day of the event, I was standing next to one of our senior pastors, a, a man who I greatly admired and respected, and he had certainly been around a very long time. He poked me with, with his elbow and he said, hey, Doug, I've got a little prayer I say before I take the podium. You want me to share with you? I said, sure. What is it? He said, simple little prayer. Dear Lord, I have this outline, but don't let that stop you. <laughs> <laughs> And that has just really resonated with me, even in even in my business life, that idea that, 
yeah, you've prepared, you've got your outline, you got this message and you're, you're really believing you're zeroed in, but guess what? Every word you say is going to be taken slightly differently by everybody in the audience. So it's a function of let them process it. Just do your best and allow that process to happen. Absolutely. I love that story. <laughs> and every audience is going to be different, but I think the commonality that we can tell ourselves is to always love your audience, no matter what. Right. And as a stand-up comic, I do that too. That can be a little difficult sometimes when you're being heckled or, or you want to blame the audience for not laughing, but you have to always love them and to know that your message that you're delivering to them is really a gift. It, every opportunity that you have to get up in front of people and speak is a gift for them. And when we give a gift, when it's really aligned and we really know that audience, right? We understand what their challenges are and we have a story that they're going to relate to and a message that we know is going to potentially change their life perhaps, right? That is a gift. And when we, we give a genuine gift, it's, there's only love there, there's not fear. And as a speaker, you get to see them in real time unwrap that gift. And some people, it's going to really connect with them. Maybe not everyone. And that's okay. You know, you're not for everybody. And why would you want to be? But if you get out there and you speak from your heart, you can, it never leads you, never leads you wrong. But a prayer always helps too. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I, I know in the business world, maybe the, uh, subjects are fairly confined to whatever business you're in or whatever function. But when you are more, uh, what's the word, contemporaneously speaking, just impromptu, where do you find inspiration coming? Impromptu speaking is probably the most feared kind of speaking. <laughs> I was just working with someone yesterday and she said that she, she was very scared of public speaking and it was a room of about 400 people and she said she'll never forget it. She was asked to get you know stand up and give some feedback on something and she couldn't remember her name. She could barely get a word out. All she heard was the word um over and over and it was a really humiliating experience for her. So Learning how to be comfortable, even in those kind of situations, I think is, is so important. Again, having that clear intention that I'm in my comfort zone no matter what, no matter what's asked of me, I'm going to be calm and be myself. Letting yourself off the hook a little bit to speak slowly if you have to, to gather your thoughts, to have some pauses can really help in impromptu speaking. And again, a story because we're experts in our own story. We don't have to remember any words. So if a story pops in your head that's related to the question, telling that and pretending like you're just telling it to a friend, I think can really help connect with everybody no matter what. And a mantra that I always have for myself, in fact, I just have it written down right here, I saw, is always to, to have fun, right? Have fun with your speaking and your communication and your opportunities, because no matter what the topic, how dark the topic is, you can always bring a sense of joy to it. And often adding humor, even just acknowledging, you know, something in the room that's happening, that's, that can be funny, that unites everyone and brings them together in that impromptu moment. Yeah. <clears throat> 
for some reason, as you were describing that, and this is going to sound very contrary to what you were saying about having fun, making light of it and everything, one of my all-time, I'll call it my high-water mark in public speaking, happened to be related to 9-11. I was actually taking the stage that morning at a national conference. We had about 400 people in the room, and I was going to be moderating a panel discussion that was being presented and just as I stood up and basically said, good morning, everybody, you know, my name is Doug, blah, blah, blah. One of the conference coordinators was on the side of the stage waving at me and I'm going like, what are you doing? You know, and he goes, come here, come here, you know, and I'm going, excuse me, folks, you know, and I walk over there and I said, what's up? And he said, uh, one of the towers in the trade center has been hit by an airplane and I'm going, what, <laughs> you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, we're, we're waiting to see what's happening. And I'm going, well, thank you. You know, I mean, and I, I went back up to the podium and I was trying to collect my thoughts and talk about the ultimate and impromptu speaking. And I realized everybody's phones had started going off. You know, everybody in the crowd had their phone out and they were, looking at things and it was obviously only a matter of minutes later he came back and he waved me over and he said the second tower has been hit we are shutting down the conference and we're encouraging everybody to you know make their exit we're, we're just closing this show the whole thing is over and so i stood back up to this crowd of 400 and i said <clears throat> Folks, you may already have the news, but uh, this conference is now officially adjourned. We're all instructed to find our way home and be safe, and we will all collectively learn more together as what is going on in our world right now. <laughs> and, what an and, epic story you have now to tell of that speaking and, experience. Oh, and my of course, goodness. Th this was at a large hotel in Atlanta where the, the show was happening, and uh, of course, the next couple hours were just absolute chaos and mayhem, people trying to figure out. And <clears throat> I had gone back to my room and my wife and I were together. She had traveled with me and she had the TV on and we sat there just in amazement watching what was unfolding. <laughs> and, and we kid ourselves now. It wasn't funny at the time. But this was the only trip we'd ever taken for business where we had not rented a car. <laughs> oh, wow. So we were stranded at the hotel with no vehicle, and and uh, of course, it, 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 I won't belabor all the rest of the day, but it was it was it was a wild experience to say the least. But oh, I bet. Well, it's been yeah. said if everything went as planned, we'd have no great stories to tell. <laughs> oh, I love and, that. Yeah, and often, you know, when we're sharing origin stories too, often it comes from a place of darkness or some very impactful experience that shifted your mindset about something or was a catalyst to really lead you to what you do today or what the business does today. And it tends to often be a tragedy, uh, but it 
provided transformation and provided um, the opportunity for, for growth that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And the best stories really start out from a place of risk and, you know, what does the, you know, what's going to happen next? There's a lot of suspense there as the action begins to rise and we're rooting for that hero and we just can't wait to find out what happens, right? So those darker moments in our life often can provide great inspiration for stories. Well, Laura, I think our time's about up today. Thank you so much for sitting in and sharing this. Tell the folks how they can best get a hold of you if they're wanting to know more. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been so fun to share and hear some of your stories as well. You can find me. My website is thespeechslayer.com. You can also find me now on Amazon. I have my book for sale there and you can learn a lot about me um, and a lot of the tips and techniques that I share today are in that book as well. And I'm on Instagram as Laura uh, underscore in Wonderland and on LinkedIn as Laura Reed. You can find me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, Laura, thanks again. And folks, we will have those links she just described. They will be in our show notes as always. And you can just hop down, click on the link there that you'd like to choose to find more about Laura's story. So with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, uh, encourage you to go out there, make it a great day. Aloha. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.